first I have the right thing. And you gotta find this. And that's it. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. It's just me, T Clout, on this one. Welcome to the Job Meltdown. It's been a minute. Some time has passed. That's actually why we're here today. Wasn't that the greatest segue you've ever heard? Yes, today's episode is about attendance. And I feel like this topic is pretty vague and kind of bland, but there's some key points regarding attendance that I think we have all discussed at work. Who made this system? How did tracking attendance all start? How does it work and how does it function differently? from jobs that work different hours. What should really count as a tardy? There's no excuses, there's no circumstances to pardon someone from a mark towards possible termination. Are we using the proper system? Is this working as intended and with better purpose looking on? Let's look around together and see if we can figure out some answers to questions and it's never too early or too late to look. Right off the bat, when did actual attendance policies come into place? You already know the answer. Come on. I've said it many times, and it needs its own episode. The Industrial Revolution. We go to Red Court. History of Time and Attendance Policies. This is actually a software website trying to sell its own attendance system along with many of these sites just being really typical stuff on how its business runs its own policy. Still, Red Court gives a nice little intro. The Industrial Revolution brought major changes to the economies of Europe and the United States. New technological advances in the early 1800s ushered in sweeping changes for both manufacturing and transportation. Traditional family farms and small family-run cottage industries produce goods in small quantities with lots of manual labor. With the arrival of machine-based manufacturing, entire families began moving from their rural farm homes to the cities to find work in the newly industrialized factories. Okay, makes sense. Children often worked right alongside their parents when the family needed extra income. The work was often dangerous, unhealthy, and paid very little. Factory owners loved child labor because it was cheap and unregulated. However, it wasn't long before the government stepped in to help improve factory conditions and regulate how many hours people were made to work, especially children. Factory owners needed a way to keep track of worker hours. This gave rise to the first time and attendance systems. So yes, the industrial boom was the start of time clocks in the workplace. So now, we need to discuss what we all think counts as being late to work. I know this is weird, but really the answer as it stands now, United States-wise that is, you have to follow whatever rules or standards your employer gives you, right? But some of these common rules had to form somewhere so workers don't get abused either. It's challenging to provide 
an exact percentage of people who are late to work on average, as this is very significantly based on factors such as industry, region, and company culture. However, studies and surveys have been conducted to explore punctuality trends in the workplace. According to various surveys and studies, the prevalence of tardiness varies. Some studies suggest that a significant percentage of employees admit to being late to work occasionally. The reasons for tardiness can range from transportation issues and traffic to personal responsibilities and oversleeping. In a study conducted by CareerBuilder in 2018, it was found that 25% of workers in the United States admitted to being late at least once a month, while 12% claimed to at least be late once a week. The reasons for lateness include, again, traffic, oversleeping, and getting kids ready for school. It's important to note that these figures can vary, and individual experiences within different industries and regions may differ. Additionally, cultural and organizational norms can influence punctuality expectations in the workplace. Employers may also have varying degrees of tolerance for occasional lateness based on their policies and workplace culture. All right, I turned my heater on because it's cold where I'm at, but all right, enough with the website chatter. Let's bring this together a little bit more. If you're late to work, you should be considered late no matter what, right? But what about actually being at work, yet you overstayed your welcome on break or lunch, and both of those things have a lot of weight behind them as well. Yes, you hardcore working freaks, by the book, your employer doesn't have to give you a break at all. There's a couple things with that fact, though. The first is that we are all human, I think, I hope so anyways. Now, not that we are fragile, that we need certain conditions and sustenance to keep functioning throughout the day, although I think we all forget that from time to time. I'm talking more along the lines of, we have mouths. We are able to speak and communicate. I know this is way, way broad for what we're looking at, but seriously, even during the wars, soldiers asked for breaks to at least get a cup of coffee, and they were allotted maybe one 10-minute break, which is nothing for a break realistically, but practically, it helped out with production and results quite a bit. So even if you have the hardest, most rigorous job in the world, it is recommended to find a way and take your break. And also, if if we were all sitting around, and there's word of mouth, if if there was a job that said, oh, we don't do breaks, but there's a job that does, people are going to talk about that and probably go to the job that allows a little bit of a break. Now, the second part comes in to define what a break is. Your employer doesn't have to give you a break or lunch, but if they do, I believe that standard is held by law, where breaks are 15 minutes. Some sites say anything from 5 to 20 minutes are breaks, and lunches are 30 to an hour. All of this really does matter because breaks are time on the clock for companies, and lunches usually aren't. So 
This helps determine to employers what a break is and isn't. And that also helps cover the worker from sleazy situations where, say, you sit down for a couple minutes, but that was because you were told to, yet that counted as your break for your manager or something wild like that. It basically ensures that you get a proper break. Now, what does that have to do with being present? Well, I imagine your employer informs you at some point how they want your break to go. This is the shifting point for all of us. Not all of us are going to experience similar things, but let me share what I went through having what is considered the 8 to 5 or 9 to 5. When I worked something like the 8 to 5, I got two 15-minute breaks that I didn't clock out for, if I remember or know correctly, and a half an hour lunch that I did clock out for. I'm still on attendance, I promise. Stay with me. Now, with that, breaks are weird because I think technically you establish to your coworkers when you go on break. Or even on your own accord, you can decide for yourself, I should go on a break before I work on the next thing. But even then, I feel some way, somehow, on record or not, you are responsible for signaling when you go to break. So what happens if you are late from break? Does your work punish you? Are they are they supposed to? What if it was an accident? Oh, I was stopped by someone that talks too much and now I'm a few minutes late. Wasn't my fault then. Oh, I was in the bathroom just a bit longer than expected. That's a reasonable thing to happen, correct? I don't know about you, but even with my schedule with 12-hour shifts and now, the same thing happens on break. If I were to be late, I wouldn't be marked tardy. I would maybe get told if it was a repeated offense that there would be action taking place, but at least from my last few jobs, breaks really can be considered a lot and nothing at all. Lunch break is a little different. You are clocking out. Your employer has went with the approach of, you are free to do with what you want with your time on lunch, but you will not be paid for it. This has its own benefits and its flaws. Positives, you can actually leave your work building for lunch, if you're able to in such a short time. You also aren't getting paid for that half hour, so if you are at work, you are stuck at work. Ah, the smell of freedom. But again with that, this half hour is dedicated to you. You can, for just a moment, feed your body and get your mind off any harsh deed that the job has done to you. Unfortunately, to end lunch break off, though, this is really a timed event. You have to make sure that you clock back in correctly and appropriately. Otherwise, that can and most likely will result in a strike of tardiness against you, thus hurting your attendance. All right, so I'm trying not to rant, and I'm also trying to keep my thoughts on track. Thanks for hearing me out on all of this. Breaks are important, at least to me. Yes, it's frustrating when people tend to not utilize the break time they've been allotted, and yes, You don't always get a break. I know that, folks. I get some jobs are way busy where you can't get one. You should, though. 
Because I ranted on about what breaks and lunches are, on the fact that to me, they are not long enough for the average worker, for starters. Why is it a ratio of working four hours for one break that is maybe 15 minutes? Why is it not one hour worked, one hour break? Or even a two to one ratio of two hours worked, and then you're given a break? I know what you're thinking. Nothing would get done at that pace. It's just frustrating to me how work wants hours and hours of your time every day. And yet when you need a mere 15 minutes to just step away from doing what you've been doing for hours, that's seen as a bad thing or an unwillingness to work at times just because the company decided to make the job that way. I know it comes down to money. You get paid by the hour every hour, so your employer wants quite a bit of labor out of you for it. Also, yes, it's not just companies being bad. I'm sure when time clocks were on paper, workers could forge their times or have someone use their access to punch in and out. The same thing happens now with advanced time clocks, but of course, security and monitoring of workers is more intense nowadays, but even then, I've heard of how people find ways to clock out and leave, but still be clocked in or whatever else, and that is stealing of the company's money at that point. Let's take money out of the equation for the moment. I know, how, how can I do that? We all agree to the terms of the rules and instructions of our jobs when we literally sign on and get hired to abide by their given time for breaks, which takes effort on our part, you and me, the worker. Time management is a skill, and with any process in life, natural or documented for progress by humans, we will all have to learn and use those skills. So a point is awarded from the anti-work side to the work-all-day lifestyle. Congratulations, you have a reason for your crazy practices. What else is there aside from being late from lunch? Well, being late to work is never a good start to the day. You have to be at work, do the tasks, and you still get punished, on paper that is, for being one step closer to possibly losing your job. That's not a great feeling. I spoke a little bit about this on my emergencies episode. What if you witness an accident or you got in one yourself going to work? Emergency response is at the scene, and you can even prove it, but would your job still mark you tardy? Another problem I have is this, and I will say my work was very forgiving with this. The other weekend I had to work, and there was a blizzard warning a good few days before then about how cold the weekend would be. I was nervous, and believe me, even though I had a decent vehicle with four-wheel drive, it still made me anxious to drive to work. What if I was late in that instance? I knew the roads were rough, but I'm waking up at 4 in the morning for this. I'm doing what I can to be punctual to work and be prepared. Thankfully, like I said, my work knew about the weather and relieved points assigned for tardies that weekend. Still, I feel like at times the weather conditions are questionable. And if we are expecting people to go to work in those conditions, I would urge employers not to issue out tardies then. 
that just to me contradicts what companies preach about with safety all the time. And yet sometimes even getting to the place where I won't have a good time is a challenge in itself. I wanted to also go over how many times you can be late for work before getting fired. If you were to search how many times can you be late before getting fired in general, you're going to find websites like Indeed and CareerBuilder again, and, and it all varies on what they say. I want to state for myself, I think it's about six times total you can be late before it's grounds for termination, but that is after five days of like paid time off where you call in sick and you don't get a point. So it's not too bad for myself. Now, depending on where you work and what you do, you could be fired for being late even once. But I imagine that's in an emergency field or military or just something that is seen as a position with authority where, again, the most crucial time skills are being practiced. Now, to bring it down a notch, a fast food worker calling out or being late a few times isn't a huge deal all around, right? Pretty normal. Here's what I don't appreciate, though. I know I'm making up a scenario. I don't care. You are the one sticking around for it. Let's say starting in January, for example, you have an 8 to 5 employee who works the weeks, weekends off, and they call out two times in the month, every month. Roughly in a month, that worker is going to be at the job 20 to 22 days of that month. It's not always 25 or more because I figured they work five days a week, four times in a month, and then the fifth week going on can be split into the next month if I'm doing the math right. That's about eight to 10 days off naturally with the weekends. Now factor in the two sick days. So maybe 12 days off of work versus the 20 to 22 that they're working anyways. If I'm, not, if, if I'm not mistaken, if that repeats where they're calling out two times each month for that worker, they would be up for termination by April, even though they are working at least 18 days of the month against the bad scenario of calling out twice a month and being away from work for 12 days of the month if that extreme were to happen. 18 days for them and 12 days for you is still the job getting more of your time anyways. Look, no one likes a coworker that calls out Joe. But just thinking about the time you give to a job per week, per month, and then not even two days of the month is unfathomable to your peers or your job to be absent because at some point, that's too much time missed for them. If all of your coworkers called out two times per month, I get it. No one would be there and work would be rough. But not always, right? Not for everyone. Some jobs have slow days, slow seasons. Yet even then, the same attendance policy can mark you absent because you weren't there if something goes wrong. Lastly, and I'm sure I missed out on some good stuff on policies. One thing that I think makes tracking attendance so closely absurd is two factors. Remote work 
and good old technology. People have jobs where they work from home. Even at home, they are responsible for their attendance clocking in properly. Mistakes are less likely to happen, though. These jobs don't have to worry about commute to the job. They are ready to go, so no worries there. That's the thing, though. A remote job never has to worry about losing their job with attendance, really. So why is it so few days for the workers that actually travel to the job? Then I know technology can really form into any conversation, yet I just want to say we need to just appreciate how time clocks are now. I know it's annoying to have to use apps or badges or whatever else to clock in, but I am a little worried of the future where your work is able to monitor every single motion you make at work. It happens now. I'm talking about even more on workers, like actual location position, bodily function monitoring, stuff like that. We need to establish now what humans should get for time away from work and when it is actually necessary to assign points of absence at a job. Being late to work, or even completely missing out on it, isn't great for anybody. A system where every missed clock-in is an instance closer to having written or verbal warnings towards you is stressful. To have a system like this in place where work is your main source of income and pretty much one of your biggest priorities to maintain in life, it just made me wonder why being on time to work was such a hassle for some individuals, but also why it's such a hassle for employers to pardon marks against workers no matter what the case is. Did we figure it all out? Yeah, probably not, but that's all I've dug up on this episode for you. Thanks for listening. If you've listened all the way through, then you will know that I might have another week delay on the next episode. I know you've waited a lot already. It really was because the last few holidays landed on a Monday, so I wanted to catch up properly. So if you don't see something in two weeks, you will see it in three for sure. This is the job meltdown. I'm T-Cloud, and you are a wonderful person for being here. Share the podcast where you can, and download your favorite episodes. It means a lot. That's all I have for you guys. And as always, don't work too hard out there. We'll see you next time, and I'll work on not being late myself this time. Take care out there. Fathomable, fath- fathomable, fathom- fathomable, fathomable,